0: Don't allow yourself, other people, your past experiences and situations to keep your destiny from coming true. God has a call on you. He has a call on each of us, but sometimes we get in our own way. It is about restoring faith in who God called you to be and what God called you to do. So this message today is on point for you. Okay. So that means if he has a call on my life, And for me, he also has a call for you, too. But what happens is we allow other people in our past to hinder it from coming true. The enemy knows what you can become. The question is, do you? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Confidence Restored podcast presented by CC America, also known as Confidence Centers of America and hosted by Tamaria Jordan. This is a show designed to help you build your confidence, increase your faith, and get mentally fit to overcome any trials and tribulations you may encounter. Through personal testimonies of faith, inspiration, and transformation, Tamiria and guests seek to inspire and uplift you. This message is delivered by us, CCing you on lessons learned in hopes of encouraging you regardless of where you are in life. Enjoy the show. Good morning, and welcome to a live tipping of the Confidence Restore Podcast. Today's message is titled God is Doing a New Thing in You. Don't let people or your past inhibit your destiny from coming true. And so, this message is very powerful. I know that it is going to bless someone because it surely blessed me as I was preparing this morning. And I said, Whoa, this is so powerful. So, the uh, points that I'm going to make today there are five five key points the first one being grace is our guide and I'll talk more about what I mean with regard to that number two fear of man is a snare. three failure to obey God is rebellion number four disobedience creates dissent and number five God will fight for you and deliver you too so, I'm going to jump right in because I think this message is oh so powerful, especially given the times in which we are living. So when you think about doing a new thing and you think about even the title of today's show, which is God is doing a new thing in who? You. Don't let people or your past inhibit your destiny from coming true. So it made me think to look up the word inhibit. The word inhibit means to hinder to restrain or prevent an action or process. It also means to make someone self-conscious and unable to act in a relaxed and natural way. I never really looked at it from that standpoint. I always thought you know, of the first definition to hinder or restrain, not necessarily thinking that it also meant to make someone self-conscious. And so the reason that's important is when you think about the Confidence Restored podcast, it really is about restoring your faith in God and who God calls you to be. It is helping you get mentally fit through testimonies of faith, inspiration, and transformation. And when I rebranded to the Confidence Restored podcast, God really dealt with me to help me see that it's not about the surface stuff. It's not about what you look like. It's not about people liking you. It is about restoring faith in who God called you to be and what God called you to do. So this message today Is on point for you, okay? So if you haven't been following me, then you may not know that I like to rhyme from time to time. But seriously, we have a call on our lives. Every single person does. The word even reminds us that we are all branches when you think about it on God's tree. So that means if he has a call on my life, and for me, he also has a call for you too. But what happens is we allow other people in our past to hinder it from coming true inhibiting. So hence the title. But then when you think about inhibit, inhibit is a verb. It means to describe an action state or occurrence. That means something has to occur. It has to happen. Someone has to do something. And so you must be wise about the things that you allow in your life, especially because when we think about our lives and we think about the gift of grace and that God's grace is sufficient. Grace is his unmerited favor. It's not because of something that we do. And so that takes me back to the key points. The first being grace is our guide. And so I was like, all right, grace is our guide. And I thought about it. I said, it's by grace that we are saved. So Romans 8, but we have also been given our gifts and talents and opportunities from God. And so a lot of us think sometimes, you know, hey, it's, it's me, it's my power, it's what I can do. Now, if you're living in the world, that probably is true, is the enemy can give you some stuff too, but you have to be mindful. If you are a believer and a child of God, then we know that God's unmerited favor is how we've gotten to where we are because the enemy, he will let people get stuff too. He won't tell them the consequences of what he gave them he'll tell you a little bit of the truth, but not the whole truth, because the whole truth will set you free. So when we think about grace being our guide, I started looking at chapter uh, one of Samuel. So first Samuel, sorry, not chapter one, chapter 15. And in first Samuel 15, it says, Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, Did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And he was talking to Saul. And so this uh, particular Bible study, I guess you could call this session, um, because I think of it as more than a podcast. I think of it as Bible study too, because literally I am learning and growing as well in my word and increasing my faith. And I know that I am not who I used to be. And I'm so grateful for that. And I'm growing. But in that growth, I'm realizing the enemy is fighting me harder because he knows he is losing his grip. And that is the same thing for some of you today. The enemy knows what you can become. The question is, do you? And I heard a message from prophetess Tiffany Montgomery. She says, the devil knows who you are. Do you know who you are? And I said, whew, that is a whole word. That is so powerful because he knows that's why he's trying to stop you. That's why King Herod, sent out a decree to kill all the men or kill all the the male babies because he knew who Jesus would become. He wanted to stop it. He was being used as an agent of the devil to stop what God had planned for our salvation. And so first Samuel 15, that is where Samuel reminds Saul of how he got to where he got to. It wasn't because he was Saul. It was because of God's grace. And so that actually leads me to the second key point, which is fear of man is a snare. And in 1 Samuel 15, 24, it says, Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the men. And so I gave into them. The reason Saul lost his place in the kingdom is because he gave into man. And I think about even for me, Back in 2020 is when I had the epiphany uh, after going through a miscarriage. I said, wait a minute. I have been sitting on my gifts and talents because I let people dictate who they think I am or what they think I can do or who they think I should become. And so it hindered me from doing what I felt in my heart God called me to do. And so now when I think about me in 2023, I'm breaking free. I'm like, no, I have spent my life, my whole 38 years listening to people. But God has set me apart. God has made me different. God is going to use me to be a repairer of the breach for generations. He's going to use me to bless people. He's going to use me to help set people free because the word reminds us that we overcome the enemy by our testimony in Revelation 12. And so I'm like, yes, Lord, use me. I've always said I wanted to be a vessel. I wanted to be blessed to be a blessing. But now I realize that, that being blessed to be a blessing comes with a whole lot of testing. And it's a whole lot of people that may not understand your destiny. And some of them may be well-intentioned, well-meaning, but because God didn't give the vision to them, they don't understand it. And then quite frankly, point number three, <laughs> disobedience creates dissent. And I'll talk about that, but it also essentially, it creates opposition to what you once thought, but it also creates jealousy. And so when you think about fear of man, Proverbs 29, Proverbs, we know is about wisdom. Proverbs 29, 25 says, fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. At this point in my life, I want to be kept safe. It is too much happening in this world for me to be worried about other people's opinions of what they think I should do, how they think I should act, especially when I'm getting closer to God, because when you get closer to God, you grow further away from people their opinions and the hold that they may have once had on you. So then people who were in your life attempting to manipulate you now are upset because they can't keep doing what they used to do. And so Acts 16, um, it brings me to the story of the woman who was delivered and the people who could no longer profit over her Um, being in the condition that she was, they were mad. So Acts 16, starting in verse 16, it says, and it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination, AKA like witchcraft foretelling, um, soothsaying, met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. So she was pretty much telling, like fortune telling to other people, but the spirit was not of God. She was possessed by a demonic spirit. The same followed Paul and us and cried saying, these men are the servants of the most high God, which shew unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. So meaning the woman knew who they were, but she knew who they were because of the spirit of divination, not because of the spirit of God. The the evil spirits in her knew who they were. And so that spirit followed after Paul and continued to say, who they were. And and when you think about it in and of itself, it doesn't sound bad, but at the same time, it was because of that spirit that it knew, wait a minute, these men, not just Paul, but the men with him are the servants of the most high God. So the devil knows who God is because he used to be there. (laughs) He ain't there no more. Revelations 12, the war in heaven. And so he knows his time is short. So he's waging war against you, the remnant of the seed. And so when you think about it, she did this many days, the damsel, essentially, that was possessed. But Paul, being grieved, turned and he said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her the same hour. And when her masters, her human masters, the people, saw that the hope of their gains was gone. They caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. Why? Because <laughs> they lost their gains by using her and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, Paul and Silas, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed, okay? They loosed the woman and they loosed the prisoners too. So when you think about that, point two, fear of man is a snare, but what does it remind us in Proverbs 29, 25? Whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. And so I'm like, okay, Lord, thank you. Because I know I've been engaging in some battles that I'm like, I don't need to engage in because who I was yesterday is not who I am today. I have grown so much and I am so happy about the woman I'm becoming, but guess what? I have ticked off the devil and I know that. So he is sending any and everyone where possible to distract me because they say, and uh, I believe it was Tiffany, Prophet, Prophetess Tiffany Montgomery, who I heard say this first, whom the devil can't destroy, he distracts. Not, I don't know who was the original owner of the quote. Maybe it was her, but it is a powerful reminder. The devil, if he can't destroy you, he will distract you. Which brings me to point number three. Failure to obey God is rebellion. First Samuel 15:22. when Samuel went to Saul, it says, but Samuel replied to Saul, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. So we just talked about divination in Acts 16. So now fast forward when you think about rebellion, 1 Samuel 15, literally that is how Saul lost his place because he was disobedient. And Samuel, the individual who God allowed to call him essentially into that role, into that place, he reminded him that God doesn't delight in the religious things that we do, which back then was the burnt offerings and the sacrifices, but he wanted Saul to obey. He wanted Saul to do what he called him to do because rebellion is essentially the same as witchcraft or divination. And so I was like, ooh, that is deep because I think about myself. I created another business, Confident Connotations where I sell faith-based apparel. God gave me that idea. I found out, I thought it was 2010, but I looked back at my old thumb drive and I started ideas back as early as 2007. And i said dang i sat on it that long but i listened to people who god didn't give my vision and here's the thing it's not that those people had ill intentions maybe they had good intentions towards me and in their mind you know it wasn't the right market or the right time but god didn't give them the vision he gave it to me and so i sat on that gift for all those years and so now i'm learning like hey when god gives you something do not delay It is now 4.57 a.m. I have been up for a little while because I woke up this morning and I listened to a message. I did some other things. But yesterday morning, I woke up. It wasn't the same atmosphere. But there's a shift because I am choosing to praise my way through. I'm not choosing to allow life situations to get me down. I was like, no, I have come too far to allow anyone or any situation to keep me from God's calling, to keep me in a place. I refuse to be upset, angry, bitter, jealous, envious, any of those things that the enemy wants us all to become, because that is how he gets an open door into our soul. And that is how he can wreak havoc in our lives. And he knows that. So he's like, let me just go ahead and poke. Let me poke you a little bit. Let me get you riled up because I know what's in you. It's been there a long time. You get mad when people do this because you're human. So let me try to use it against you. But I tell you, there is a way of breakthrough. And we'll get to that too. The very last point was <laughs> God will fight for you and deliver you too. So when we think about point number four, Point number four being disobedience creates dissent. And when you think about dissent, the definition means the expression or holding of opinions at variance with those previously, commonly, or officially held. First Samuel 19, Saul spake to Jonathan, his son, and all his servants that they should kill David. Now, what was interesting about this is in first Samuel 16, three chapters before verse 21, it said, Thus, David came to Saul and began serving him. Saul grew to love him very much and he became his armor bearer. So David went from being the armor bearer to being someone that Saul wanted to kill because Saul was disobedient with regard to what God called him to do. Because of his disobedience, he got jealous of what God now had raised up David for. But here's the thing, you had an opportunity, but not only did you you fail one time you continue to. So now I'm going to go back a little bit. We're going to back this train up to Samuel 12, and we're going to go through how we got here. So God put him in control back in chapter 12, Samuel's farewell speech, verse 15, it says, but if you do not obey the Lord, And if you rebel against his commands, his hands will be against you as it was against your ancestors. This is Samuel speaking, and he was talking to the people. The people all said to Samuel, pray to the Lord your God for your servants so that we will not die, for we have added to all our other sins the evil of asking for a king. So it was because they asked for a king that God gave them a king. And it says, do not be afraid. Um, Samuel said, Do not be afraid. You have done all this evil, yet do not turn away from the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Do not turn away after useless idols. They can do you no good, nor can they rescue you because they are useless. For the sake of his great name, the Lord will not reject his people because the Lord was pleased to make you his own. As you, excuse me, as for me, Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. And I will teach you the way that is good and right. But be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. Yet if you persist in doing evil, both you and your king will perish. So now when we think about the how Saul became king, it was because the people, asked God for a king and he said as long as you continue to be faithful because one you ha- are asking for a king now because you you don't necessarily trust God to do it you want a leader so God's like all right I'm going to give you a king but if you continue to persist in doing evil I'm going to destroy both you and the king so first Samuel 13 Samuel ends up having to rebuke Saul who was recently made king. So Saul was 30 years old when he became king and he reigned over Israel for 42 years. This is 1 Samuel 13, starting in verse 1. But then fast forward, um, it says in verse 8, Saul remained at Gilgal and all the troops were with him, quaking with fear. He waited seven days, the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal. And Saul's men began to scatter. So he said, bring me the burnt offerings and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived and Saul went out to greet him. What have you done? Asked Samuel. Saul replied, when I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and the Philistines were assembling at Michmash. I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. And Samuel says, you have done a foolish thing. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. So This is when he initially disobeyed God. So he was called when he was young. And even though he reigned for 42 years, one of his first assignments that would have given him that reign for all time, essentially, until God called him home. It ended up being told to him then that your kingdom will not endure but God is going to find a man after his own heart. That's where David comes in. And we know, like you probably know the story of David. David was not the one that when Samuel went to his father's house that they thought of, he was out in the field. He was tending to the sheep. He wasn't, you know, his brothers. His brothers looked the part, but David had the heart. There I am rhyming again. (laughs) I hope you enjoy it. Um, So then fast forward to first, Samuel 14, because you have to understand how he got to this place of disobedience. It wasn't like he disobeyed God one time. There were multiple instances of disobedience as you go from chapter 12 through chapter 15. First Samuel 14, Jonathan attacks the Philistines. This is his son. In the first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearers killed some 20 men in an area of about a half an acre. So they had the faith. They had grace. They had God behind them. And in verse 23, it says, so on that day, the Lord saved Israel and the battle moved on. So God saved them. Battle moves on. In verse 24, chapter 14, 1 Samuel, Jonathan eats honey. Now, why is this important? The Israelites were in distress that day because Saul had bound the people under oath. Oaths are important. Covenants are important. Saying, cursed be anyone who eats food before evening comes, before I have avenged myself on my enemies so none of the troops tasted food and this was essentially a fast because he knew that he needed the power of god to help them fight through this then saul prayed to the lord the god of israel because he didn't answer him why have you not answered your servant today if the fault is in me or my son jonathan respond with Urim. but if the men of israel are at fault respond with thumim jonathan and saul were taken by lot and the men were cleared Saul said, cast a lot between me and Jonathan, my son, and Jonathan was taken. Then Saul said to Jonathan, tell me what you have done. So Jonathan told him, I tasted a little honey with the end of my staff, and now I must die. Saul said, may God deal with me, be it ever so severely, if you do not die, Jonathan. But the men said to Saul, should Jonathan die? He who has brought about this great deliverance in Israel, because remember, he won that battle. Never. As surely as the Lord lives, not a hair of his head will fall to the ground. For he did this today with God's help. And he did, but he also disobeyed because before he ate the honey, the other um, the other servicemen told him, Your father made an oath. But in that moment, God spared him. So the men rescued Jonathan, and he was not put to death. Then Saul stopped pursuing the Philistines and they withdrew to their land. So again, God's grace. That goes back to the very for, first point. Grace is our guide. So when you think about the fact that now we've seen the, the progression, we see how he was called because the people desired a king, even though God had brought them out, but they still wanted a king. So God said, I'm going to give you a king, but if you keep disobeying me, all of you will be destroyed. And then we look at Saul. He was called in his 30s, so he was young, but he was able to do what God called him to do, but he would do bits and pieces, which leads us to first Samuel 15, where he talks about that he was disobedient because he feared the people. Um, and this will be the last, uh, the last chapter uh, that we read. But in first Samuel 15, this is where the Lord rejects Saul as king. And so in 15, it starts, Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people. Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go, attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way to Havilah to Shur, near the eastern border of Egypt. He took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive. And all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and lambs, everything that they thought was good. These they, uh, these they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was angry and cried out to the Lord all that night. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, the Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, what then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? If you did what God called you to do, then so essentially he was lying. He didn't do everything. He did part of what God told him to do. Saul answered, "The soldiers brought him, brought them from the Amalekites. They spread the be- they spared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God, but we totally destroyed the rest." Enough, Samuel said to Saul, "Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night." Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, "Although you were once small in your own eyes, and this takes us back to the very first point, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become?" the head of the tribes of Israel. The Lord anointed you king over Israel. So this is where I say grace is our God. Grace is how he got there. And he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites, wage war against them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission, the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, does the Lord delight? Again, that's the religious part. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice and to heed is better than the fat of rams for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. So now full circle, we come back to that. And um, he continues to say that it is also arrogance, like the evil of idolatry, because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He has rejected you as king. So this is the second time he has to remind him now. All right, you, I'm going to find someone after my own heart, but here now is the time that I'm going to reject you. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I have violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the men, and so I gave in to them. Now I beg you to forgive my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to him, I will not go back with you. You have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. As Samuel turned to leave, Saul caught hold of the hem of his robe and tore it. Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to one of your neighbors, to one better than you. He who was the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a human being that he should change his mind. Saul replied, I have sinned, but please honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel. Come back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. So Samuel went back with Saul, and Saul worshiped the Lord. Then Samuel said, Bring me Agag, king of the Amalekites. Agag came to him in chains, and he thought, Surely the bitterness of death is past. But Samuel said, As your sword has made women childless, so will your mother be childless among women. And Samuel put Agag to death before the Lord at Gilgal. Then Samuel left for Ramah, but Saul went up to his home in Gibeah of Saul. Until the day Samuel died, he did not go to see Saul again though Samuel mourned for him and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. And so when you think about that point four regarding disobedience, it created dissent because Saul decided not to do what God called him to do, but yet he he became jealous of David. So David, whom he once loved in 1 Samuel 16, David was serving him, became his armor bearer in chapter 19, Saul said to his son, Jonathan, who became really close with David over that time as the armor bearer and all to all the servants that they should kill David and they pursued David until chapter 24. So the last point is God will fight for you and deliver you too. So the same way he delivered Saul, he also ended up delivering David from Saul. So in verse, uh, First Samuel 24, 17, it starts. And he said to David, thou art more righteous than I, for thou hast rewarded me good, whereas I have rewarded thee evil. So even though Saul pursued to kill David, David still rewarded him good and not the evil. So that is something too, where God is like, if you allow strife, anger, bitterness, and things like that to come in because of how other people treat you, that is a way for the enemy to get a foothold into your soul. And to keep you from your salvation. And so I'm like, I refuse to let anyone get me out of a place or to, to take away the joy that I have now, the light that I have now, the my salvation. Don't allow people to take that away from you. Keep your peace. And in verse 18, it says, and thou hast shewed this day how that thou has dealt well with me. Forasmuch as when the Lord had delivered me into thine hand, thou killest me not. For if a man find his enemy, will he let him go away well? Wherefore the Lord reward thee good, for that thou hast done unto me this day. And now behold, I know well that thou shalt surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in thine hand. Swear now therefore unto me by the Lord, that thou will not cut off my seed after me, and that thou will not destroy my name out of my father's house. And David swore unto Saul, and Saul went home. But David and his great and his men got them up into the hold. So essentially, David had an opportunity to repay Saul for the evil that Saul was doing to him, but he didn't. So when you think about it, God was fighting for David. God protected David in the wilderness. And even though David was on the run, God protected him, but God also delivered him out of the hands of Saul. And David was there when Saul transitioned. The same person that Saul tried to kill because of his own disobedience. Now you're jealous because David is doing what you had an opportunity to do, but you let that opportunity slip through your fingers because of your own personal choices, your own personal disobedience. And thank you, Lord, for that revelation. It's what we all do sometimes. We think that we we are God. We think we can save ourselves. We think if I do a little bit more, that we can save ourselves because we forget that it's by grace that we've even gotten to this point. It is by grace that we are who we are. So God is doing a new thing in you. Don't let people or your past, your past includes the decisions that you made. Don't allow yourself, other people, your past experiences and situations to keep your destiny from coming true. God has a call on you. He has a call on each of us, but sometimes we get in our own way. We get in our own way because we think we got it. We think I can do this. I can handle it. Hence, the reason we get into unfruitful discussions with people. It's not necessary. It's like, you know what? God will fight for you. And ironically, when I woke up this morning, it's funny. I saw a message. My great-grandmother always used to say this. God rest her soul. She would always say, hold your peace. And she would say it just like that, hold your peace. <laughs> but in Esther 4, it said, For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall there enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. You are in this world for such a time as this, the same way Esther was in the king's house for such a time as that to save her people. She too could have perished, but what what did God do? God was fighting for her and her cousin Mordecai and he delivered them too. And so the same God that lived yesterday lives today and his son died on the cross for you and I. And so I just pray that this message would help someone today, help them realize that God is trying to do a new thing it is up to us to accept what he is trying to do and not let people, places, situations and things hinder us from allowing that destiny to come true. So if you are not a believer and you want to give your life to God, and even if you are a believer and you've stepped away from God, we can pray the prayer we can pray the prayer of salvation today and we can ask God. I pray it all the time because I know that I fall short of the glory of God often because I'm human. I make mistakes, but that doesn't give us an excuse because even as it reminds us in the chapters that were read today, God warned the people, if you continue to do evil, I will destroy you and your King. And we are living in times now where if we continue to be disobedient, God will, dis- he will allow the end. He will give us over to the enemy because essentially disobedience as it said in the word is as the fear is not the fear but the spirit of divination witchcraft and idolatry and for me i'm like that's too risky of a weight for me to keep on deciding i'm gonna do what i want to do and then ask god to come through like no it's a choice we all have choices and you can't judge god off the actions of man we all have free will and i wrote a poem about that too i ended it with don't you understand we all have free will. It's all a choice. But the enemy is going to tell you like he told Adam and Eve in the, in the garden. Oh, you'll have wisdom. But he, he didn't tell them they would die. They knew what God told them. But because of their disobedience, we know how that story ends. And so today, um, if you have not, if you need to come back, what we, in order for us to break these strongholds, we have to first confess. We have to acknowledge that it even is a stronghold that we have the issue. Then we have to repent, ask God to forgive us and cleanse us of the sins that we've committed. We have to renounce whatever that is that we've been doing. And then we have to replace it with the word of God. And so um, for anyone who's going to join me in this prayer, and I'll put it also in the uh, description and the notes, but It says, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I repent of my sins and make you Lord over my life. Take complete control of my life and help me to walk in righteousness daily by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for saving me and for answering my prayer. Amen. And we have to believe and trust God in the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, we pray that God is going to see you and that he loves you and that he is going to allow you to be saved today, saved from yourself, saved from your mistakes, because there is no condemnation for those who are now in Christ. So if you pray that prayer and you believe in your heart that you are saved, you are saved. Now, that doesn't mean the enemy is not going to fight you, but how we fight that, Revelations 12 reminds us of that. It tells us that we are over. We overcome the enemy by the power of our testimony. That's why the enemy wants you to be quiet. That's why the enemy is sending people and sending situations to stop you because he's like, no, mm-mm. I can't let them figure out who they are. I can't let them grow and become who they are destined to be. Because guess what? That's going to disturb me. He worried about his peace being disturbed. We worried about ours. Like for real, devil, going on somewhere? Leave us alone. <laughs> As they say, we good over here, leave us alone. But the enemy is after you. He's after your destiny. He's after your gener- He's after your, your bloodline. He wants to continue to renew covenants with you and with your seed and with your seed seed. He's like, oh no, I'm coming for the bloodline because at the end of the day, I came to kill, steal and destroy because I can't be down here by myself in hell. I want y'all to come with me. But we rebuke that right now in the name of Jesus and we pray the prayer of salvation and we talk to God and we repent. We, we confess, we acknowledge, we confess, we repent, we renounce, and then we replace it. And we tell the devil to leave us alone and because the Bible says that the, that the devil may send temptation, but there's always a way of escape. And I'm learning more now than ever that as God does this new thing. I can't let people or my past inhibit what God is trying to do in me because who I was yesterday is not who I am today. As they say, yesterday's price is not today's price or something like that. But you get the point. So may you be encouraged. May you be reminded of who you are and whose you are. May your confidence, your faith be restored in what God says about you. And don't forget to leave us a comment to let us know how you feel if this message has really encouraged you and uplifted your spirit what your takeaways are anything that you want to share in the comments please feel free because you never know who else could be blessed by you sharing your testimony in the comments as well but like the video make sure you subscribe hit that notification button so you never miss an update um because in addition to the podcast on our YouTube channel there are shorts videos that are encouraging there's Different topics, uh, things that you can learn, things that you can do. It's just literally a virtual log of my life where I just share tidbits and things that come to me. I have a whole lot of poetry. I've been blogging for over a decade now. I started uh, while you wait back in, I think it was twenty, it was like twenty ten or some somewhere around there, where I started writing down quotes, and I even have some from before that because I had the desire to write a book, and I will. Um, so I most recently released a seven day devotional, which I will add the link to that also in the description for anyone that's interested. Um, because I realized that God has given me a gift and I don't want to continue to sit on it. I've been sitting on content for 10 plus years and I'm like, it's time out for that. And if anyone has a problem with the fact that God is, is working on me and allowing me to become better and walk into my destiny, then their issue is not really with me it's with God. The same thing with you, if people have an issue with your calling, if they have an issue with you changing, really think about why they have an issue. Is it like the the woman, the damsel who was possessed by the spirits when they could no longer profit off of her, that now it's a problem that the spirits have been driven out? Because it most definitely said that. It said that essentially they couldn't profit off of her anymore. So now it's a problem. That's why Paul and Silas were jailed. Not because, because at the end of the day, it didn't benefit them to have her without those evil spirits. So you think about it. There are people in your life who it doesn't benefit for you to change because they're still where they were. So they're not going to understand your freedom, but that doesn't mean that you can't get free. And you should, you should get free. You should do whatever it is that you need to do for you. And so please be encouraged. And I just hope that you will focus on your future, focus on what God says about you. And knowing that there's no condemnation for those who are saved. Romans 8 reminds us of that. We are saved by grace and grace alone, not by our works. So you can be convicted, but don't allow yourself to live condemned. So on that note, I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day and keep on keeping on. Thank you for tuning in to another live taping of the Confidence Restored podcast by CC America. We are grateful that you tune in week after week and join us for testimonies of faith, inspiration, and transformation. Please be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe and let others know that you are listening to the Confidence Restored podcast. You can also now buy us a coffee to show appreciation at buymeacoffee.com forward slash CC America.